Week 10 is here, and the Blue Bloods are back to offer an escape from the election. No politics here, only college football. We kick it off with Pick 6, in which Brandon and I break down the biggest games of the weekend, and we're going to answer some of the most important questions in college football, such as, will USC and Oregon, the favorites to win the Pac-12, jump off their 2020 campaigns with victories? Will the underdogs of BYU continue their historically great season against Boise State? And will Georgia or Florida finally solidify their place as the number two team in the SEC? We're going to break all that down here, and we're going to wrap up the episode with Brandon's Gambling Corner, in which Brandon is going to make you some cold, hard cash this weekend, or could put you in a real bond. So take it as you will. We have a full show today, guys, so let's go ahead and kick it off. Starting out with pick six here, guys. Um, I can't believe it. You can't believe it. Brandy can't believe it. But the Pac-12 is finally back with some football. Pac-12 After Dark is back. Maction is back tonight as we're recording. So make sure to check that out. I think we have Maction tomorrow, too. It's a full slate of Maction this week. But listen, we got our first primetime matchup of the 2020 season, Brandon. Stanford at Oregon, number 12 in the country. Oregon's an 11-point favorite, man. Autzen Stadium's going to be empty, but I don't care, man. I am excited for this matchup. So what are you looking forward to and who you got winning? I don't I don't know how much of a primetime game this is actually going to be, Zach. I mean, I see this being very lopsided. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I thought 11 uh, points was pretty generous, too. Like, I, that must be for the COVID-type aspect of it, but, I mean, Oregon was really good last year, and Stanford was really, really bad. Well, yeah, and and it's not like Stanford brought in like a ton of guys to to fill the gaps that they have. I mean, they're uh, it kind of feels like they might have lost even more than they had, and they didn't have a whole lot. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this Oregon team, in my opinion, I just can't see them winning. Like by like any 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 stretch of the imagination, I guess. I mean, I was trying to think of something I could say that was even bigger you than mean that. You the Stanford team? Do I think Stanford will win? No, you said you can't see Oregon winning this matchup. No, I'm no, sorry. No, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, Zach, you were completely right. Man, that's my dumb brain because I can't pick anything right. My, my brain is saying, you know what? Go ahead and say you're going to pick Stanford because Oregon <laughs> has to win. <laughs> I th- I th- I, if you were going with Stanford, I was going to feel real confident about pick six this year because if this is if this is your desperation, then I think I'm going to pull away pretty nicely. Right? <laughs> Just pick all the underdogs, but I mean, Brandon, I think this I think the spread also represents. I mean, the I, I don't think any team in the country was hit worse other than maybe Penn State by opt-outs in Oregon, man. I mean, Panay Sewell, Thomas Graham, Javon Holland, Brady Barisi. I mean, all these guys were first, second round NFL draft picks, per, per, at least projected. And so 
And that's also three of the top DBs in the country. I mean, Brandon, this Oregon team was ranked first in secondary in, in their secondary unit coming into the season. And Pro Football Focus had them the highest graded DB unit since Pro Football Focus was started. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a lot of talent to lose. I mean, Brandon, we've talked on this podcast about how good Javon Holland is. Yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, I mean, and for Stanford, same thing. Walker Little, offensive tackles out. Uh, Paulson um, Adebayo is out. Both also were receiving first-round NFL draft draft grades. So who's going to be able to replace this talent, Brandon? And everyone knows Oregon was my early pick for the college football playoff before COVID. Um, but I don't think you can sleep on the Ducks, Brandon. I mean, they had the number two defense in the country projected going into the season. Like I said, the number one secondary unit. But after three opt-outs, I still think they might have one of the deepest secondaries in the country, Brandon. I mean, you talk about, yes, we lost Javon Holland, but they have a five-star top 30 player in the country, Dante Manning, coming in as, as, in as a freshman. He was the number one player in the state of Missouri, and his pro comparison was Marshawn Lattimore. That's a pretty good comparison. Oh, wow. Pretty good. And he's long. He's fast. He possesses elite ball skills. And what about Mikel Wright? We talked about him. He was the third, fourth option in the secondary. But I think he's ready for an impact role. Brandon, he allowed a 35% catch rate last year and had the seventh best true freshman season by DB in pro football focus history. Yeah, that's crazy. And then uh, Demidor Lanier was an intricate part of the system last year. Brandon, he forced incompletion on over 20% of any pass that came his way and had the 10th best coverage grade last year in the past two years. I mean, that's insane. And that's just the secondary. Brandon, what about Justin Flo and Noah Sewell coming in as two five-star top 15 ranked linebackers? I mean, Brandon, uh, Flo had 300 total tackles in his high school career, was the number one inside linebacker. And Sewell had over 200 in only two years and was the second best inside linebacker. And is Panay Sewell's younger brother. I think he's got the football genes in him. Oh, I mean, it, anyone related, anyone who's like, you could be like, Panay Sewell's fifth cousin, and you've got some football genes in you. <laughs> no kidding. And Brandon, you know, I mentioned all that, right? Everyone listening is like, man, that's a lot. We we probably didn't even mention the best player on Oregon's team in Kayvon Thibodeau. That, yeah. No, we did not. Not yet. And he's coming off the edge. He gets built. He, he was a true freshman last year. Brandon had nine sacks, 14 tackles for loss. And once he solidified solidified his starting job, which was about week six, Brandon, he was the top rated pass rusher by pro football focus in the, in the pack 12. Right. This Oregon team's legit, man. I love their coach, uh, Mario Cristobal. He comes, he was an Alabama assistant coach came from the Nick Saban coaching tree and Brandon, if you take away Kirby Smart, I don't think there's even an argument that he might have he's might have had the best success leaving Saban out of anybody who's ever been an assistant coach for him. I agree, yeah. Except okay, Jimbo Fisher, but that was like way back in the day. I'll talk about Alabama assistants, but <laughs> Jimbo Fisher's really good. But Brandon Stanford, four and eight last year. I think Davis Shaw's probably on the hot seat. We even talked about that this all season. And Brandon, they've ranked outside the top 50 in every category but offensive line. Not a good look when you have to rebuild an entire roster. And um, I guess, so you watched a little bit of Stanford. We, I think we covered one game of them last year, which was their UCF game. Um, how did Davis Mills do last year? 
in, in that game, I can't recall. Um, he did all. He, he's. I, I, I was. I was trying to get you to say he was. He's probably the most mediocre game manager quarterback here. Yeah. He ranked seventieth in QB grade for the entire country. But Brandon, the big thing, an accurate pass rate, a hundred and fifth. Oh wow, that's not great. If you rank outside the top one hundred in accuracy as a quarterback, it's going to be a long time, a long year. And I think we even talked in the all season, man. This was last year. I think was the first year. I think I can remember Stanford not having a running game. Right. I mean. You think in the Jim Harbaugh years with Toby Gerhardt, I mean, you had Christian McCaffrey after, I mean, after, I mean, you had a long line of running backs who could move the football. I don't think Stanford had a true running threat last year. No, I don't think so. And that's a big problem. And with the defensive revolution that we've seen, I mean, you see big 12 teams fielding top 10 defenses at Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Oregon, the second best defense of the country. USC's on the upswing. Arizona State's on the upswing. Look at Utah last year. Utah had a top five defense. Um, you have to be accurate with the ball or you aren't going to succeed in the Pac-12. Mills is going to have to be accurate, calm under pressure. He's going to have to push the ball deep against this Oregon defense. Oregon defense and Brandon, uh, we've talked a lot about Tyler Shaw, but there's a QB battle raging in, in Eugene right now. Um, it's the, now all signs are pointing toward Tyler Shaw, but Anthony Brown, transferred from Boston College, is firmly in the race. Um, does the starter for you have any impact on Oregon? Um, it does to a certain extent. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if it, if this is a real game changer for me. You know, I think I think Oregon wins pretty much regardless of who they start at quarterback. Like they could probably have you or I at quarterback, and this defense is still going to be good enough to to hold off Stanford this week. Yeah, honestly, I mean Brown transferred from Boston College, Brandon threw for over 4,700 yards, 40 touchdowns, six two two thirty brings a wealth of experience. But Tyler Shaw, he's least experienced, Brandon, but he has more experience in the system. He was behind Herbert last year. Great mentor, by the way. I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, especially after last episode where I kind of went on a high there um, and bullied Brandon. But I would, I did say Herbert was the best quarterback in the class, and I think he's doing pretty well for himself. But Shaw is accurate, he's efficient, he's dynamic. And Brandon, they, they were interviewing Kristen Ball about this kid. He said that his accuracy is two, three times better than Herbert's is right now. Oh, wow. They said he doesn't have the arm strength, but he, he where, where he wants the ball to go, it goes. And, you know, Shaw in limited action, Brandon, only threw for 144, but he had three touchdowns in that limited action. They they did get a rusher off of him last year. But regardless of who starts here, Brandon, the Ducks need their QB to be ready for the moment. And I think I agree with you. I think it's a bad matchup for Stanford, Brandon. Traveling to Otzen, even empty, is still a task. And even with no fans, I think Oregon handles their business Saturday night, Brandon. I have the Ducks 34 to 13 over the Stanford Cardinals. I think it's slightly closer than that. I like your score for Oregon. I'm going, I'm going with Oregon 35, uh, Stanford 21. Like it, like it. Guys, we're sticking in the Pac-12. Two Pac-12 matchups slid into the pick six slate this week. I'm excited. And this game, Brandon, is going to go a long way in determining the Pac-12 champion. We have Arizona State traveling to number 20 USC. USC is a 10.5-point favorite. 
Arizona State looking to build on a three-game win streak they finished last year with. Got to eight wins finally, Brandon, under um, Herm Edwards. USC looking to win their first Pac-12 title since 2017 and compete for a playoff spot. Brandon, who do you like in this matchup and why? Oh, man. This this one, to me, Zach, is going to be slightly closer than this this Oregon-Stanford matchup. Um but, I mean, geez, you probably should have started this one out with this is going to be the primetime matchup for the Pac-12. Yeah, uh, can, you believe of- this game, can you believe this game's at 11 o'clock and they put the Oregon game on the eight on ABC at 6.30? No, not even a little bit. I mean, that's just because it's Oregon. I, I mean, if USC in the past few years would have been a little bit more relevant, then they'd probably have USC. At, 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 well, they'd probably have USC playing primetime. But, you know, last year was their first, like, good football year in what seems like an, an eternity for this USC team. I mean, they are a true blue blood shout out again. Um, and they've just fallen off over the past few seasons. So now they're slowly climbing back up. They have Keaton, my boy, uh, at the reins <laughs> and shout out, Keaton. <laughs> shout out Keaton. And while I say it's going to be slightly closer, I don't mean this is going to be a really close game. Um, Arizona State, we all saw them upset Oregon last season. Uh, why bring up the past, Brandon, is what some of you were saying. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know too much about this Arizona State team other than Herm Edwards as their head coach, and that means that anything can uh, that means anything can happen. Well, I will educate y'all for since Brandon slacked up here. The QB oh, battle whatever. is, I think, this QB battle is going to be the best in the Pac-12 this year, Brandon. I really do. Unless Tyler Shaw really explodes onto the scene, I don't see a better QB battle. You got Jaden Daniels, Brandon, who was arguably a top three freshman quarterback last year. Um, he really shows some potential. He had 17 passing touchdowns, Brandon, and only two interceptions. That's excellent for a true freshman. He had almost 3,000 yards passing, 61% completion percentage. And Brandon, he ranked 14th in turnover-worthy play rate. For a true freshman, that's that's outstanding. But then yeah, it's pretty stout. But then Brandon on the other side, you got Keaton, uh, best freshman oh quarterback in the country last season, seventy-two percent completion percentage, over thirty-five hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, nine interceptions. He ranked second in pass yards in the conference and third in passing touchdowns. And Brandon, the the stat of all stats, second in the country in accurate pass rate. That's what separated him from Sam Howell, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels. All these other quarterbacks struggle with accuracy in the big moments. Keaton Slovis was consistently accurate, and that's something that I think most scouts know that you can't teach a kid to be accurate. That They either have that or they don't. You can only get so good at that by training. Keaton Slovis has that it factor. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and I mean – Brandon, I mean, you kind of got to agree here. I feel like, I mean, whichever quarterback takes that next step in their development is going to win this game. I mean, not even this game. I mean, should be the favorite for the Pac-12 outside of Oregon. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Ah, oh, man. And uh, for me, Brandon, my my matchup to watch is USC's O-line against Arizona State's D-line. I mean, Brandon, you were critical of USC's O-line last year. They lost their two best starters to opt-outs. And Arizona State's D-line was their weak point last year. I mean, 97th ranked pass rush coming into the season, Brandon. Before opt-outs, USC ranked top 30. I think they fell to about 60th now in O-line returning. That's a big, big losses. And Brandon, the reason this is my matchup, Keaton Slovis is great. 
in every aspect of his game except under pressure. He ranked outside the top 75 against pressure. So if the Sun Devils can find a way to be creative and blitz him, it's going to be a different matchup. And I think that's what you saw against Oregon last year as Arizona State was able to make Herbert feel uncomfortable. And Jermaine Lowell, defensive lineman, eighth-ranked pass rush grade last year, nine-and-a-half sacks, 15 tackles for loss, Brandon, at from the D-tackle nose spot. Yeah, That's that's stout for a nose tackle, man. If you get nine-and-a-half sacks as a nose tackle, you are – you're doing, doing something. something. You're doing, yeah, and you're I, probably actually doing something wrong because that that really shouldn't happen. <laughs> I mean, they they they're taking the reins. I mean, they they took the reins and said, "Hey, listen, just go take that kid's head off." And he <laughs> he he did it. And Brandon, this passing attack for USC against the secondary is going to be another matchup. I mean, Keenan Slovis could be arguably outside of Lawrence and Fields, probably the best quarterback in the country when he's got it all clicking. And yeah. You look at Ashari Croswell, the safety for Arizona State. He was first in Pac-12 covers grade for the past two years. He has over 90 tackles, Brandon, six interceptions. This this stat blows my mind. 20 pass breakups in two years. That's, yeah, that is, that is. That's stout. No. And three forced fumbles. He's an elite safety in the country. He's going to have to find a way to keep Slovis off balance with their coverages. And then... Jack Jones and Cam Phillips will be his helpers back there. They're going to try to shut down this USC passing attack. And Brandon, we said it last year. It was Michael Pittman or bust for this USC team just about every single week. It was Michael Pittman or bust. Can Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Vines find a way to be consistent targets and take over that W, that wide receiver one position for USC? I mean, you look at St. Brown, man, over 1,700 yards in his career, nine touchdowns. He should be the number one wide receiver after Pittman left, but we haven't seen him take that next step. And Vaughn's, Brandon, this is a crazy stat, too. I mean, only 10 career drops and over 200 catch and over 200 targets in his USC career. I mean, that is insane. So he has the talent to be something special, but man, I think you can even say, I mean, Michael Pittman was something really, really special. So can either of these guys take that next step? And I think that's the biggest thing because Brandon, I don't think I don't I think you're gonna be the most upset if we're sitting here on Sunday recording, about to drop on Monday, and you're like, Keaton Slovis were hit was hitting these dudes in the chest. He had time. He was trying to find and they just let him down. I think you'll be the more more mad than anybody, especially with how high you are on on Keaton Slovis. No, I mean he's like my he's like Zach is the Sam Howell as Brandon is to Keaton Slovis, if that makes sense. Hey, you need to give me props. I mean, you've heard me earlier say that. I he heard was you. I heard you, and I almost, I, I almost said something, but I didn't want to jinx it because I'm, I'm such a mush that I thought you might take it back immediately. No, I, I think he was better than Sam Howell. He was working with less talent, I think, Thank and I, I think, I think he was playing really well last year. But Brandon. This is gonna. Uh, I already know you're picking USC. Uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you pick because you've already announced you're picking USC. I'm picking USC. Uh, I'm gonna go with USC. Ooh, this one's gonna be a higher scoring game, I think, because there's just not really any defense. I'm gonna go. Well, there's some defense. We you talked about all the defense. I'm still gonna go high scoring. I'm still going 42, 42, 35 uh, USC. 
I like it. I like it. I'm going the opposite, Brandon. I think Herm Edwards has been building Wrong. something serious down in Arizona. I have no faith in Clay Helton. I don't know how you have faith in Clay Helton. I think there's a huge patch of upset down there in LA. I think the Sun Devils get it done, Brandon, in a close one. Last second, just what, just a thriller of a game at 11 a.m. That's what, like 9 o'clock in L.A.? This is going to be a morning game. I have Arizona State getting the early upset, 28-27, to 27, Brandon. Do you know how mad I'd be if, if I was on one of these teams and I had to play at <laughs> 9 a.m.? <laughs> no, and that's just kickoff, man. Do you know, so Auburn gets to the stadium and does walkthroughs and everything. They get to the stadium like three hours beforehand. So are these kids going to get there at like, th- like 4 or 5 o'clock? Yeah, which mean yeah, and and you think that they just get to the stadium? Think that's like the first time they meet up? No, they're they're at their facilities before that. So yeah, this is this is gonna be a tough one. That's it's gonna be brutal. But let's let's move on here, man. We have our I guess it's our honorary. I mean, I you know all the national podcasts. I don't want to call out any names. I mean, I feel like we're pretty consistent with these group of five matchups, right? I think we've had one to two on every single episode, giving the small guys a shout out. But we have a ranked matchup here, Brandon. Number nine BYU traveling to Boise State to take on the number twenty one Broncos. Boise State uh, BYU is a three point favorite, man, and. I can't be more excited for this matchup because everyone's been saying BYU needs a test. And I don't think there's been a better team putting teams on upset alert than Boise State. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right here. Um, Boise State is a, a pretty good team from what we've seen. You know, of course, I don't know how much weight goes into that because they've played Utah State and Air Force this year. So <laughs> I mean, t- to be fair, they won last week with their backup quarterback. Yeah, that's true. Is there starter back? Is there is- uh, no announcement yet? Because they don't. They because Boise State doesn't disclose the COVID stuff, oh, and good. so they, they announced that one player had COVID, and their quarterback and starting safety were both out with undisclosed injuries or whatever. So one of them had COVID, and we don't know which one. So the quarterback battle has not been decided yet. So it could. You know, we could be looking at a huge matchup between Hank Bachenmeyer and Zach Wilson, or we could be looking at Jack Sears versus Zach Wilson. But either way, I mean, Sears looked really good last week, but I would much rather see Hank Bachenmeyer play this weekend. Well, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, Sears played a better game uh, against against Air Force than, uh, than Bachenmeyer did against Utah State. I mean, Sears is the leading passer on this team. He passed for 291 yards last weekend, so pretty stout. Anyway, um, moving on from that, I mean, I don't know. This BYU team has shown us how good they really are. I mean, 7-0 is a statement. It doesn't matter how many times I call them frauds. Doesn't doesn't matter. Throw that all out the window. They are a good football team. Zach oh, Wilson, this is a growing moment here. Zach Wilson looks very, very good, you know, with two, with 2,100 yards on the season in the air, 19 touchdowns and only two interceptions. I mean, that's incredible. Sears has three interceptions on the years and has played five fewer games than Zach Wilson has. Um, you know, I think BYU's uh, played against better teams so far. I mean, n- that's not saying a whole lot because, like I said, Utah State and Air Force, but – I mean, this BYU team has seen Houston. They've seen Louisiana Tech. I mean, they've seen their share of of decent uh, group of five football teams. And, and so, 
this BYU team has shown us that they're a real contender. I mean, a top 10 team, that's no joke, especially this far in the season. I know, well, this far in everyone else's season except for the Big Ten and Pac 12. That's a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this, this BYU team, to me, I mean, I, I get it. Boise State is still a top 25 team, but I haven't really seen enough of them to to make a full, like, educated guess on how they're going to perform this weekend. Yeah, and I'm, I think the thing with BYU, man, that really – that so the thing with BYU and Cincinnati, Brandon, that set them apart is that they're not just winning. Outside of the one close call BYU had, they are destroying their teams that they play. I mean, they are – what they're, outsco- they're scoring like 45 points a game and only allowing like 13. Yeah. That's, that's an elite mark, and – uh, you look at teams that have had a group of five teams that have had a chance at the playoff. I mean, Boise State in, the, in what, like 07, dominating the, the, I believe they were in the whack at that time. And then you look at UCF in 2017, marking other AAC teams. So that's the big thing. You got to blow your uh, opponents out. And the X factor, man, you've already mentioned on Zach Wilson. Really and truly, if you took the school name and just did a blind resume, of like player A, player B, player C, he he should win the Hosman based on like how he's performing. I mean, this kid, yeah. I mean, he also has seven rushing touchdowns, something yeah. that Matt Jones doesn't have. Um, you, you're looking at Trevor Lawrence, who now is going to miss two games against up uh, against the, his biggest Hosman moment setting. I, the, he had to play against Notre Dame, and he's not. We'll get to that later. And then you look other than that, Kyle Trask. You lost to Texas A and M. You're not going to win the Hosman now and you missed a game because of COVID. So big loss there. And I think Zach Wilson has played outstanding brand. He's on pace to set the highest ever NCAA grade for passer rating. Yeah. And that was set by Kyler Murray. Right. Pretty outstanding. And he's led this offense to new heights. They're explosive. They're deadly. I mean, this offense is putting up over 500 yards per game and 330 through the air. I mean, Wilson's been a star in 2020. He's been deadly accurate, unwavering confidence. His unique play style only resembles other Hosman winners. I mean, his nickname is the Mormon Manziel. There's nothing. That's, that is the most legendary nickname ever. I love that nickname. The Mormon Manziel is going to do his thing this weekend. Brandon, I don't know. Do you know if they're going to New York for the Hosman or are they just doing it like over Zoom? I have to assume they're probably going to do it over Zoom. Yeah, or do like a no crowd thing or something yeah. like that. Yeah, we'll see. But listen, if they go to NYC, Wilson's going to be there, Brandon. He deserves to be there, even if he doesn't win it. I think he he's been he's been one of the best three players. I think this three to four people get to go each year. He's been in that group. And Brandon, the thing that sets BYU apart for me too is they have a real defense, man. Their defense has been playing outstanding. I mean. 13 points per game. Boise State scoring about 45. So that offense versus this defense is going to be a matchup to watch. Something's got to give. I mean, Jack Sears looks like he's probably going to be the starting quarterback, Brandon. He had completed 85% of his passes last week for 280 and three touchdowns. But Air Force isn't BYU. Um, you know, you look at the senior leader of this Cougars defense, man, Isaiah Kauf, um, Kaya Fuyusi. I'll even look this up. He's it's a hard name. I did some research for you guys. He's been dominant all season. I expect him to be a player to watch, Brandon. 45 total tackles, three sacks, an interception, and a touchdown. 
this matchup is going to be interesting, Brandon, but preparing for two QBs is such a difficult task nowadays, especially with COVID, a lack of contact practices and everything. So this is going to be a storyline to watch going into the game on Friday. Listen, for my pick, man, I think BYU is really the second best group of five team in the country right behind Cincinnati. It has a real shot to, to a shot to shake up the rankings, Brandon. Five and eight play and one and four play. That could be two spots they jump if those lower-ranked teams lose their games. I expect them to be motivated, hungry. I expect them to win this game on the road in Boise, Brandon. I got BYU 38-27 over Boise State. Yeah. Um, man, I want this game to be close. I really, really do. I just don't know that it will be. So I'm going to go with another high-scoring game, I think. I'm going to go with BYU 45 uh I'm sorry, BYU 45, and I'm blanking right now, Zach. I don't know why I'm blanking. Uh, but Boise State, I'm going to go with 35. I like it. I like it. But, Ben, moving back to the Power Five, moving back to the Big Ten, we got Michigan at Indiana, Brandon. I never thought Indiana would be the 13th ranked team in the country. I didn't think Michigan would be coming into this matchup, at, you know, at a disadvantage almost. Um, Michigan's a somehow a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road after they got beat by Michigan State. But, Brandon, do you think Harbaugh and the Wolverines can bounce back this weekend? See, my thing is I still don't know if Indiana's good. Um, so I, 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 I honestly – they're, they're still allowing 100 more yards per game than they've gained in their two no. games. Yeah. I, I mean, and – yeah, they're finally – I don't know. They, they, they've finally shown us that they do have a competent offense. I'll say that. You know, their offense is putting up 36.5 points a game, which is very good. I mean, that's 36 and 37 in back-to-back weeks. One of them was in overtime, so does it really count? I guess we'll never know. There's only one overtime, though. Only one overtime. So they didn't have matter. the stats like your LSU Tigers like to do. We don't have to, we don't have to talk. What do you mean pad the stats? LSU hasn't been to overtime. <laughs> I was, talking about that good overtime overtime? Huh? I was talking about that eight overtime game a few years ago. Oh, with Texas A&M? Okay. Yeah, where y'all, y'all played like, a, y'all played like two whole extra games. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that game on this podcast, Zach. Um, let's go ahead and move forward. So these are two very – I think they're two very good quarterbacks. I get it. Milton's only passed for one touchdown – but he's thrown no interceptions. He's gotten it done through the air. I mean, he has more passing yards uh, than Penix does. I, I think these are two really good quarterbacks going against each other. Not not really good on like a on like a national scale. Really good in the Big Ten if you don't count Justin Fields. Now, I think this is going to be a decent matchup. I like I said at the beginning of the segment. I don't know if Indiana is what a lot of people think they are. Do I think they deserve to be ranked number 13th in the country? Absolutely not. Do I think Michigan deserves to be dropped down to 23 after a loss to a rival team? No. I I, I honestly, I mean, I know you said... Whoa, 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 whoa. They lost to Rutgers. What? Michigan State lost to Rutgers, and you think just because you think Michigan doesn't deserve to drop? Oh, they deserve to drop. I don't know if they deserve to drop as much as they did. I mean, it was a rival game, Zach. It's not like it's not like they just went out and played a random team. It's not like they. It, this isn't like this isn't like Alabama went 
and played and, and beat the brakes off of a team, off a non-conference team. Auburn went and lost to some team they probably shouldn't have lost to, and Stop then Auburn it. beat Alabama. Stop it. It's that kind Stop of situation. It. Come on. <laughs> I still think you got to penalize them, man. They played. They played really, yeah, really bad. Them, but, yeah, I I agree with you. I I agree with you a million percent there. But do I think I I just I I don't agree with with dropping them ten spots. You know, after a dominant performance against Minnesota, then they yeah, drop drop a game. Look where Minnesota is. They're zero two with losses to Maryland. Yeah. Okay, whatever. But they lost a three-point game to their rivals, Zach. That's that's the point I'm trying to get across. Does that mean? I mean, it has to make some kind of sense. It has to resonate with you at least a little okay, bit. I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I do not agree with it, though. Okay, you don't have to agree with it. Just hear me out, Zach, and let me right, let me let me say my piece, which is ahead, almost man. over. It's almost over, Zach. Um, I I don't think they should have dropped as much as they did. That was 10 whole spots, whatever. All I'm saying is that I think that these rankings, at least in week two of Big Ten play, might be a little uh, unfair, and I don't think they're going to be indicative of the final outcome of the season. Is that unfair to say? No, because I think Indiana is still benefiting from the fact that experts are still really, really high on Penn State, so that win's holding a lot more weight than it probably should. See, more people than just us have dumb brains, Zach. That's something that we need to understand. There's a lot of dumb brains out there, and a lot of dumb brains voted for Indiana to be number 13 in the country right now. Listen, I mean, I think it's hard to judge, too, Brandon, because after only two games, I mean, all we've seen is Penn State cost themselves a game against Indiana, and then they had to go play Ohio State, who I think we both agree nobody's beating them. Um, right. right now in the Big Ten. And then if you look at Rutgers, who you know, maybe Michigan State's better than we think. I mean, they should have beat Rutgers, but when you have seven turnovers, that's that's real bad. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't win a game with seven turnovers. So, I mean, how good is Indiana really? Uh, that's, that, I, that's what I'm struggling with. And you're right. The quarterback battle's different, but I mean, you look at you look at Penix. I mean, has he really faced a stout? I mean, Penn State was missing so many pieces. Is he going to do what he did to Penn State against Micah Parsons? Um, no. And are you confident in Rutgers' defense? Probably not. I would hope not. Well, you kind of were. You were last. Week. I was. I was fooled. My dumb brain was fooled by them beating Michigan State. I, you got me. I, I'll admit it. I, your boy was wrong there. But when you look at this, you know, Michigan team, were they overlooking Michigan State? I think they probably were. They probably did the same thing I did, where it was like, how do you lose to Rutgers? You suck. You have to suck. And you look at something that happened last week as well. I mean, Brandon, they had zero sacks last week against Michigan State on defense. They had five against Minnesota. Then you look at the pass defense difference. They held Tanner Morgan to under 200 yards passing, but then let Rocky Lombardi throw for 303 touchdowns. Look at him, man. He's he's still scary to look at. He is. I mean, and so, Brandon, which which Wolverines defense do you think shows up? Oh, man, you have to hope it's it's not the one from last week because – I mean, they played well against Minnesota. They really, really did. Yeah, on the road and everything. But now Minnesota, I have a lot of questions about. Um, and you know, he, 
you look at Penix Jr. I mean, he's done his part, his but his accuracy woes, Brandon. He only completed about fifty percent of his passes against case against Penn State, only about fifty eight percent for the year, and he has two yards rushing. He's found the end zone twice on the ground. But do you expect him to get away from the pressure if Michigan if Michigan generates any pressure? Because depending on which defense shows up, you could have it, and then. You know, you look at Joe Milton, Brandon. He's played well. You're right. 64% of his passes completed. But you mentioned only one touchdown through the air, Brandon. And you're like, how is that even possible? Like, so they're running the ball in the end zone. That makes sense. He's a big dude. Their running backs are really good. But what about his explosion downfield, Brandon? Big plays that change the momentum of a game. 20 plus yards down the field, Brandon. He is one for nine for 26 yards. Yeah. That, that that's not going to work against elite teams. Do you think you're beating Ohio State not throwing the ball down the field? Good luck trying to dink and dunk against Ohio State. Yeah, it's going to be bad. And you know, you look at you look at Zach Cabernet, Hassan Haskins. They have to find a rhythm, man. They have to open up the pass game for Milton. They played amazing against Minnesota. They ran the ball efficiently. It opened up the playbook for Milton, but. Against Michigan State, they didn't do as much, and then you saw this offense becomes real stagnant, real slow, real 1940-ish, where they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of big plays, and they need an offensive revolution. And they thought they were getting that by getting Gaddis from Alabama, but he has not turned out to be the offensive coordinator we thought he was. Um, and you know, this Indiana defense, man, they play bend but don't break defense. It's worked so far. They give up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. They say we're just going to let you go underneath, dink, dunk, just. You can get your yards, but you're going to make a mistake, and we're going to capitalize on it. And so can Milton and these running backs avoid mistakes? And that is my biggest question, I, I think, for this game. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. It's There's a lot of unknowns in this game. Um, I think it's still going to end up being a good one, you know, regardless of who's the favorite, who's not the favorite, who deserves to be ranked where. I think this is going to be a decent game um, at least. I still think the Michigans can come out this win, Zach. I really, really do. I do too. I have Michigan. I have. I think Harbaugh's on the hot seat, but I think this is a game he always finds a way to win. This is not one of those rivalry games that he gives away every year. I think the Wolverines bounce back. They expose Indiana, who's been living on the edge in 2020. I have Michigan branded 24 to 21 over the Hoosiers. I think it's a little bit wider than that, Zach. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with Michigan, and I'm going with Michigan because, like you said, they're not playing Ohio State or Michigan State because Harbaugh's only beaten Michigan State once, and that's that's the only rivalry game he's ever won. Um, he's not playing either one of those teams this week, though, Zach, so put that out of your mind. He's going to win this game. Uh, I'm going to go with 27-14. I think, it, I, think it, I think he makes a statement. I like it. I like it. We're moving to the SEC, guys. We have two top ten matchups this weekend for the first time this season. Man, we're going to start in the SEC, though, with Florida, number eight in the country, going down to somehow a neutral site in Jacksonville against the number five Georgia Bulldogs. Um, Georgia's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, Brandon. I can't believe this matchup is as up in the air as it is. I mean, you look at Georgia since they faced Bama, Brandon. They they need a big win. And then you look at Florida, still really, due to the COVID outbreak, they still haven't really rebounded from that A&M wall. So who do you think is going to get back on track this weekend? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go off on the same tangent that I did last year. But I can't make that pro- I can't make that a promise. Uh, I'm just going to say it. 
world's largest outdoor cocktail party is just a mouthful. doesn't make a lot of sense. Not every rivalry needs a name. Not every game needs a name because this isn't even – I mean, I know this is a rivalry. How big of a rivalry really is this, Zach, and why is it played in Jacksonville? We'll, we'll get off of this, though. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, I, I mean, Florida has lost a lot. I mean, they, they've they've – battled, uh, I guess, coronavirus after Dan Mullen was like, let's pack the stadium. And then, you know, last week they did pack the stadium against Missouri, which I don't I don't really get that, but they did. Um, they beat Missouri pretty pretty handily, you know. Um, in, in, in fighting and the game. In fighting and the game, yeah. Wait, so how many players were suspended from that? Were any players suspended? Two. Yeah. I think two. Yeah, were they relevant? No. Okay, so that doesn't matter. It wasn't Kyle Pitts or Kyle Trey. It wasn't a Kyle. No, so that's, exactly. That's as long as Kyle wasn't suspended, we're good. As long as Dan Mullen wasn't suspended, which his John Cena of Ric Flair antics could have got him suspended, but somehow they escaped that. So every, yeah, everybody he, that – How are more people not talking about that? How are more people feel, not talking about – I don't know who you're following on Twitter or what news you're watching, but there's a lot of people talking about it. <laughs> There was a whole article written, uh, I think it was Brandon Marcello of 247 that talked about this is the reason Dan Mullen will never be a relevant coach. <laughs> yeah. Do we hate him? I feel like we have to hate him. I, I still think he's a really good coach, but his personality is a little abrasive. It's weird, right? It's not even like – because usually like if somebody – if a coach is going to come out and like pull some antics, I'm like, I, I love antics. You know, I'm for antics, and I hate Florida, so that might be it. It might be some bias showing through here, but – like I can't stand Dan Mullen. I didn't even like him when he was in Mississippi State. Nah, it's just like he was. The, I think what happened, Brandon, is he's not a likable dude. But you had to like him at Mississippi State because he was the underdog. Well, now he's not the underdog at Florida, and no one likes a front runner, and that's what he is. I think that's where all the hate stems from. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I am so close to declaring war on Dan Mullen. It's not funny. Like, I'm gonna. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna you're you're gonna be up there with ESPN, Dan Mullen. If you if you're not careful, pull one more stunt. See what happens. ESPN don't want those problems. They didn't they fire like four or five people for taking stands on stuff. Like you think they want Dan Mullen up there, like pumping up the crowd when uh, SVP punches Stephen A. Smith on the first take set? Oh my god! Yeah, I, look, I'm I. I I actually want that situation now. I'm I'm Team SVP, by the way. If that happens, I, I like Stephen A. Smith, but SVP, you're something special. Um, back on track. I think I don't know. I, I think that this Georgia team, in my opinion, it is especially with all of all of the stuff going on with Florida, is heads and shoulders above Florida right now. And I know I know I picked Florida before the season. I know I picked them to win the SEC East. But that was before COVID outbreaks. That was before, like, it, I mean, this team, just, up. this team, yeah, and this team, this Florida team, they're just not disciplined, dude. They're not disciplined at all. No, I mean, they're really not. And, you know, they're giving up, what, over 430 yards per game, over 300 yards in the air. Um I mean, and then you look on the other side of the ball, Georgia. They're only they're only allowing about three hundred. They're only they're allowing under a hundred on the ground. I mean, the tail of the tape really is Brandon is really the difference is the QB battle. I mean, you look at Trask. He's what elite Brandon. I think you could say. I mean, yeah. he's 
what, over 1,300 yards, 18 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And then you have Stetson Bennett. He got off to a really, really hot start. But since the Bama game, I think he's broken, man. Seven touchdowns to five interceptions. He is approaching Jameis Winston ratio. Uh-oh. Not great. And he's been really, really bad lately, Brandon. I mean, this this offense has slowly started to trend downward. I mean, you look, they only beat Kentucky 14-3. to yeah, and you know, some people and normally I would even say that's all you had to beat them by because their defense is so good. But man, that's that's not gonna be the same case here with Florida because this Georgia defense is good, but this Florida offense is really good. So uh look, you're gonna have to score more than fourteen against Florida to win this game. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, Kyle Pitts is gonna eat you alive if you only if, if you put up fourteen points. Right, it's going to be ugly. But the thing about this, Brandon, is can Florida run the ball? That's the, I mean, Damian Pierce only 169 rushing yards for the year, and that's their leading rusher. Yeah, they're four games total. Tough. I mean, that's that's brutal, man. I mean, and you look at on the other side, Zamir White is cooking. I mean, 402 yards, six touchdowns on the year, but then. So it's really going to come down to can Georgia run the ball enough to keep the ball out of Kyle Kyle Trask's hands, and then can Georgia not be one-dimensional and just run the ball up the middle? Stetson Bennett's going to have to make some throws, and really and truly, Brandon, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I trust him to make the throws. Thing is, we know he can do it. I, I just don't. I don't understand what's happened since this Bama game. You know, he did it against Auburn, didn't he? Yeah, he did, but Auburn's defense um, is different. Yeah, he did it against Tennessee, and he even did it against Bama as a thing. You know, it. it, it no, well, no, in, that, in the first not. half, he looked good. Come on. Okay, first half. That's fine. But, I mean, the thing is, though, is like the first half, like if a defensive coordinator can make adjustments and throw you off your game, I mean, you don't think Kentucky used the film from that second half and just copied that exact formula to stop him? Yeah. I mean, they did. Florida's going to do the same thing because Florida has more talent in that back end than even Kentucky does. They haven't lived up to the potential. I get that and everything, but I think Florida has one of the most talented defenses overall in the SEC. They just haven't put it together, and I don't know why, because Ty Grantham is one of the best defense coordinators in the country, but he just seems to be underperforming. He doesn't seem to be getting that talent out of this team like you would expect. Yeah, and that's, that is a serious problem. And if he doesn't fix it, Brandon, you have to move on if you're Mullen, right? Uh, it's so hard to say that about Todd Grantham because he is such a good coach, like you said. I mean, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, I'd even say. I mean, I know you said ICC. I think in the country he's one of the best. And uh, that's so tough to move on from him. So I, I don't know and, if well, I can And they've, they've been together going back to Mississippi State. So that's a long, long relationship there. I mean, that's – that's like you got kids and a family in a house, and now you got to give her half your stuff. I mean, that's that's not a good look. No, it's not. And I bet you, I bet you his buyout's outrageous. Oh, it's. But, I mean, the other thing is, Brandon. I mean, can another target emerge for Florida? Because they're going to focus on Kyle Pitts, and Florida has those linebackers and defenders that are big enough and fast enough to stick with Kyle Pitts. Can another option emerge? I mean, could Kadarius Tony have a big game? I mean, who and who on Florida's team can take some pressure off the of Trask and Pitts? Because this Georgia team is too talented for Kyle to go to Kyle fifteen times. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, but Brandon, 
I have a little bit of faith, man. Um, I think Stetson Bennett, this is one of the biggest rivalry games. It's in Florida. I don't know what the capacity is technically going to be, so they could pack it out. I don't know, but we'll see. But I think this moment is too big for Stetson Bennett, man. I have faith in Kyle Trask. I have faith in Kyle Pitts. I don't have faith in Georgia's passing game. I think that's going to be the difference, man. The score is going to shock you, but I have Florida winning 28-20 to over the Bulldogs this weekend. Wow. I, I don't know. I, I The thing that's really doing it for me right now, Zach, is, is not only this Georgia defense and how good they are, but it's also this Florida rushing defense and how bad they are. They're allowing 133 yards on the ground a game, and I right. think that's super dangerous when you have um, when you have a running back like uh, Zamir White. So I'm going with Georgia, and it, th- this score might really shock you, Zach. I'm going with Georgia, um, 28-17. Oh, that's a that's a tough score. I, I, I don't I don't think this Florida team, I don't think this Florida defense can slow the run down. I think that's that's really dangerous. Like I said, when you're playing against a running back like Samir White, that's that's crazy. Um, all right, I'll take it, but. Listen, man, we're going to move on here. Final game of the day. We have number one Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, Liz Clemson, and number four Notre Dame, man. Clemson's headed to South Bend, Brandon, and the, probably one of the games of the year. I mean, this is this is up there. But, Brandon, do you think Trevor Lawrence missing another game is going to cost Clemson this win? You know, it, it almost cost them last week, which is crazy, um, because they were playing Boston College. And, and I mean, until the fourth quarter, they were losing that game. And and also, don't ahead. forget, they were missing four defensive starters last week. Yeah, yeah, people people do forget about that. And they're missing two more this week. They added Mike Jones is out, Tyler Davis is out on the D line, and they're missing one of their starting corners. Are they still missing the four they were losing? They lost last week. Um, I th- yeah, I think they're um, not all on defense. I think they're getting like two back, but they had two new ones. So I think they're missing like five starters total. And here, I don't, so I really don't know what to think about this game because, you know, this Clemson team healthy, this Clemson team without missing anybody is going to be any team in this country by, by 20 points at minimum. I mean, they are that good, but when you're missing that many players, I mean, and, and you know, last week was indicative of that. You know, they, they, like I said, they were losing to Boston College until the fourth quarter of the game last weekend. Um, and, you know, and, and that's with uh, DJ Wigalele playing really well. I found out it's pronounced Wigalele, which is weird, right? Wigalele. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I was just going to call him DJ. Yeah, DJ. I, I think it's Wigalele. Don't don't roast me if it's not. But I, that's that's what I, as people have been saying. It's Wigalele. And so I'm running with it. Um yeah, I mean, he played pretty well last week. You know, he played a lot better in the second half, obviously. You know, the first half might have been a little bit rough for him. Um, but I think he was getting used to things. I think I think that this weekend might – I don't even want to say different. This is, because last weekend was a home game. Last weekend he played he had Boston right. College in Clemson. This week they're traveling to South Bend. And, that I mean, that might be a game changer. Oh, it's a tough matchup for anybody. Man. It would be tough for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this being the game of the year in the ACC, and, you know, you're looking. So if you're the playoff committee, Brandon, Clemson drops this game, but they come back and beat Notre Dame healthy at the end of the year in Charlotte. How much does this loss really affect them, you think? Oh, man. Um, 
I mean, it affects them, but they're not going to keep a one-loss Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson team out of the playoffs. Well, or Trevor Lawrence-less saw- in one match in that game they lost. Anyway, right? I think you. I think you saw it when they lost to Syracuse, right? Yeah. When Kelly Bryant got hurt and they kept him in the playoffs, they lost that close game. They lost to Pitt one year. Um, I mean, they they've had some tough losses when they weren't healthy. But I mean, you look at the Clemson offense. I mean, Travis Etienne is going to have to play out of his mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm talking about Tra- Travis Etienne needs to have 200 to 250 total yards, whether that be rushing and receiving, whether that just be. I mean, he's going to have to have a huge impact. You look at this defense, Brandon. Notre Dame statistically has a better defense too. They're only allowing about 260 yards per game. Well. Oh, they're they're allowing under a hundred rush yards too, and they're only allowing ten points a game. Brandon, Zach, and and you say that he needs to have a big game. He needs to have two hundred to two hundred fifty yards. He had two hundred and forty four yards last week, Zach, between receiving and rushing, and they still barely edged out this Boston College team. DJ Wigalele had three hundred and forty two passing yards and two touchdowns, and they still barely edged out this Boston College team. And I get it, you know. I, I'm the first one to say I think Boston College is a really good, uh, really good team this year. But man, when you're Clemson, like, what? I mean, we we watched the game and we know what went wrong with them in the first half. In the second half, they corrected those things. In the second half, they didn't allow Boston College to score one time. And if Boston College would have, they would have won this football game. And for me, Brandon, I think it's I think it just shows how good Brent Venables is on the fly. Making adjustments, finding out where people go. I mean, you're playing without Mike Jones. And in case people don't know who that is, that's the guy who took Isaiah Simmons' place that that they think could be just as good as Isaiah Simmons. Big loss there. We talked about Andrew Booth Jr. um, a few weeks ago where he was allowing like no catches in the game. I mean, these are high-impact losses. Tyler Davis was, was voted the best defensive lineman on Clemson's roster last year. I mean, you're talking about leaders that have experience that are key parts of this defense and they're just out and that's why like i don't think i don't think you should have dropped i don't think any voter who had clemson number one before last week should have dropped them last week go ahead let alabama play without mac jones patrick sertan and dylan moses yeah let's see how they do tough me real tough i mean and you look at it and this kid it was it was this kid's first start at quarterback he was facing a motivated Boston College team with nothing to lose that has put UNC on upset alert that has played good against everybody they faced I mean this team's really really good and now you have to come, go on the road against Notre Dame I don't know how many fans will be there I don't think many I think it's only a handful Notre Dame has pretty strict restrictions but you're looking at a team Brandon where they haven't allowed they haven't allowed allowed more than 13 points outside of one week in the past five. Yeah, right. And this defense is firing. And then you look at the secondary, man. We've talked about Notre Dame secondary, led by Kyle Hamilton. The kid is a ball hawk. They have players, and everyone looks at Notre Dame, and they're like, well, we know Notre Dame's a fraud because they didn't do anything in 2012. It's like 2012 is a long way away, bro. Yeah. That's a long time ago, and you're still holding that loss against them. And then they're like, "Well, they lost to Clemson this year and this a few years ago." And it's like that team beat Alabama by 35 points in the national championship with a true freshman quarterback. Can we hold off on saying Notre Dame's frauds for losses that happened years ago? Yeah, I don't know. People hate Notre Dame. That's the thing. People hate them. I mean that that 2012 loss was so long ago. Monte Teo has a real wife now. 
See, that that was mean, Zach. Yeah, I, and I know you've been waiting all episode to say that. That was so mean. <laughs> I, I, I did not take I did not take like actual notes. I just kind of studied up on this game. That was off the dome. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you look at Boston College, man, and I don't think it's—I I don't think that—I don't think that close that struggle win, as some people called it, was as bad as you would think. But I mean, who are you looking to really step up here? I mean, you—and you look at this close team. They lost Justin. They lost Justin Ross already. He was out with a spinal thing before the season even started. Now you're down Trevor Lawrence. Now I mean, what else could you want want them to do? And I feel better about this because now Brent Venables has had a game. And another week of practice to get that defense ready. And I think you can agree with me here. I mean, if there's a defensive coordinator that can work with less and do more, it's Brent Venables because this kid, this dude's elite. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think he's the best defensive coordinator in the country. But then you look at Notre Dame, man. Do I think that, did I, have I been a vocal supporter that I haven't been impressed? Yeah, but I mean, recently doing research, I mean, they've been kind of been fun under the radar and, and really dominating people. Yeah, right. I, I just I don't know really what to think about this game, man. I think it could go a bunch of different ways, but I think everyone understands this: the X factor, Ian Book. As crazy as that sounds, after everything we talked about, Clemson, Ian Book has to have his best game in a Notre Dame uniform he's ever had. He's he's so up and down. I mean, when we first started this podcast, I said he could be a Heisman contender, Brandon. He's going to have to prove it now. I mean, he has seven touchdowns, one interception on the year. That's outstanding. Over 1,200 yards passing. But he is going to have to lead this offense down the field because I think Clemson, their goal is going to be to shut down Kyron Williams. They're not going to allow Notre Dame to run the ball like you saw with Miami and Derek King. And they're going to put it on Ian Book's shoulders. And if he can't respond, Clemson's going to take this game. But if he responds, I think Clemson's missing enough pieces where Notre Dame can pull this one off. Yeah, no, I mean – I think you're right. Ian Book really, really is up and down, like a lot. And so, yeah, I mean, if he plays the perfect game, Notre Dame takes this one. I mean, they take advantage of a, of a Clemson team that's that has lost a lot. I mean, they've lost a ton of players um, in the past few weeks. And, and yeah, I mean, I, it's very feasible to see Notre Dame winning this game. But, Zach, I'm going to request that you give us your choice first here. Be a little bit fair to Brandon is what I'm going to say. <laughs> All right, listen, guys. I have I, I I literally do not believe in the team more than I believe in this Clemson team. I think the team as a whole responded really, really well in the second half. They understood what they have to do. I think giving Brent Venables another week to get ready for Notre Dame is a big, big thing, Brandon. I think I, I really think they were looking ahead last week a little bit. Like, okay, yeah, we could beat Boston College. We'll get to Notre Dame. We'll try to get healthy. We're going to try to focus on that. They're going to be ready to play. Trevor Lawrence is going to be on the sidelines, Brandon. He's cleared of COVID. The only reason he's not playing is because they didn't have time to get in the EKGs and cardiologists stuff they have to do because of the ACC protocol. So he's going to be on the sideline. That's going to be a huge motivation factor for his teammates. I believe in Dabo Sweeney over Brian Kelly. I think Clemson takes this game, Brandon, as crazy as this might sound. I have Clemson 34 to 20 over Notre Dame. Well, you think it's that big of a like, you think it's that I big think, of a victory. I think Clemson's coming in, guns a blazing, and it, it's it's gonna be a is gonna be uh, it's going to be tight early. Clemson pulls away at the end because Ian Book Ian Book is going to make some mistakes down the stretch. Okay, here's what I'll say, Zach. 
Do I think Clemson's going to win this game? Probably. Am I going to pick them and pick six? Absolutely not. We're going Notre Dame, baby. We're going Fighting Irish, and I'm I'm happy about it. I'm so glad you picked Clemson in this one. You're giving me all the advantage in the world. Am I going to fall a little bit more behind and pick six? Maybe. Who cares? Let's go. Let's go with it. Notre Dame's going to win this game, and I've got them winning it 35-31. Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a good bit of points for both teams on these defenses, allowing 10 and 15, but yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like My it. My head is in the wrong spot. I don't care. <laughs> Guys, picks can be found on our Instagram tomorrow. Well, Friday, Friday. We'll do a Friday. Um, but we've got one more segment for you, man. Brandon's Gambling Corner. Let's go. Fan favorite. Louisiana this year. Louisiana legalized sports betting, or kind of. They they, they they passed a bill, so maybe it'll become a law hey, one day. Find Brandon's Twitter and Instagram. Um, I, I believe it's linked to the Blue Blood, so go find his Twitter and Instagram. DM him your bets. Send him some money. He'll put them in for y'all. I think that's illegal. I think that's illegal. <laughs> FBI, if you're listening, that this is a joke. Ha. <laughs> But guys, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with some super dogs, Brandon. We got two SEC super dogs, man. Um, so these guys just have to cover the spread, um, and we're gonna we're gonna let you put faith in them. How 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 do you think they'll do? We got Vandy plus eighteen and a half underdogs against Mississippi State. Plus eight and a half. Plus plus eighteen and a half. They're eighteen oh and a half point underdogs. Oh man, yeah, they cover. They cover. They cover all day, any, all any night. Chance of a Vandy upset. What's that? Chance of a any Vandy chance upset? Of, um, yeah, zero. <laughs> they're not. They're not going to upset Mississippi <laughs> State. Don't don't get crazy. But they do cover that spread. I was trying to push you. You picked Notre Dame. I thought I could take you to the edge. I know there. you tricked me again. Uh, South Carolina, Brandon. Ten and a half point underdogs against Texas A and M. Ooh, they don't cover that. They don't even come close to covering that. Yeah, I think that's a bad that's a bad matchup for South Carolina. It is in a, it is in Columbia though. Yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe good things happen. And plus, Texas A and M, they're a little bit wishy washy, so maybe, that's but true. I don't think so. That's true. But listen, Brandon, with the big Big Ten money lines. We got four matchups here. You got to take the money line of the underdog. You got to you got to either take it or say there's no way this upset's happening. We have Michigan State plus two thirty five over Iowa. Ooh, where is it? Uh I believe it's in Michigan State, but mm. I will double check that. Mm. If it's in, if it's if it's in Michigan, then man, that might happen. We we might see that happen. I doubt it. But we might see that it's way more likely than if, than if it's in Iowa. It's in Kinnick. It's in Kinnick. Ken, well, is I mean Kinnick. I didn't even know Kinnick was a city in Michigan. But yeah, no, um, no Kinnick, like Kinnick Stadium in Iowa. Oh, oh, no chance, no chance. <laughs> I don't know where Michigan God. State plays. God, dude, like, is are you anyone? serious? Where do they play? Where's Michigan State at? Uh, no, doesn't matter. Move on. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, guys. But all right, Brandon. So no, no, no. Michigan State there. Nebraska plus one fifty two over Northwestern. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They. They. Yep. Take it. Take the money. Take it. Okay. There we go. Adrian Maryland. Martinez. We believe in you. There you go. Then this one's interesting. This one would be hard for me not to take, Brandon. Maryland plus nine eighty over Penn State. Nine eighty, they're not going to cover. So you're just throwing your money. I mean, they're not going to. Uh, 
They might cover. They're not, win. They're not going to win this game. Um, so it's twenty-five point underdogs. Twenty-five point. Uh, yeah, I think I think you got. I think you got to take them to cover. I mean, they might cover that spread. Um, they're not going to win this game. I get it. That's a lot of money. That's that's a lot at stake right there. Don't that's do a, it. That's don't a, that's don't get fooled. Bet, no, 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 no. Don't don't let Zach fool your dumb brain. He's trying to fool mine. I'm not even that dumb. Oh man, Illinois plus two twenty five over Minnesota. I'm taking Illinois here. Actually, I'm taking Illinois too as well. Um, I don't know who made these lines. Who keeps betting on Minnesota? Minnesota's a seven point favorite over Illinois. Oh, take that, take the spread all day, but go ahead and double down. That's what I'm saying. But guys, we're moving to a segment I'm calling close calls for Brandon. These are spreads that are under three. Brandon, you're gonna have to pick somebody. We got Ohio. Plus two and a half point underdogs against Central Michigan. Ooh, um, I believe in Ohio. The the more the, the Bobcats. I believe in the Bobcats. Yeah, the Bobcats. Let's, go, <laughs> let's go with let's go, let's go with the Bobcats to cover that. I like their colors. Their colors are underrated. That green and that white go together very well. By the way, that's that's like totally off topic. But um, Georgia Southern two and a half point underdogs against Troy. Uh, I think Troy's actually kind of good this year, which is which yeah, is yeah, they're actually not bad. But also Georgia Southern isn't bad. I mean, they should have beat uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Oh uh, nope, nope, wrong, wrong. <laughs> um, uh, no, I'm gonna say Troy wins. I'm gonna say Troy covers this spread. Okay, I like it. I thought they'd be a bigger favorite, but this one's interesting, Brandon. This one's tough. You have Pitt's Pitt plus one plus one and a half point underdogs against Florida State. Oh, I'm going with Pitt all day. Take Pitt. Take Pitt and Moneyline. Good Lord. That's tough, right? That is tough. When I saw that spread. I was like, oh, they were like, you know, Kenny Pickett must have been worth a lot of money. But, but Pitt's <laughs> lost four games in a row. That's the only thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a tough look. But, Brandon, back to the SEC. Arkansas plus one and a half point underdogs to Tennessee. What a spread. Ooh, take it. Take the money line too. I think Arkansas wins this game. I really, really do. I could see it. I could see it, but Brandon Louisville plus two and a half point underdogs against Virginia. Ooh, oh, man, I've already called Virginia. Fraud. I've called Virginia Tech frauds. Um, no, Virginia wins this game. Virginia wins this game by more than three. I like that. Washington plus one and a half point underdogs against Cal. See, this is where it gets fun because we just don't know. We don't know what these Pac-12 teams are. Washington lost their coach, quarterback. <laughs> if you're betting on Pac-12 this weekend, then I've got a phone number for you to call one eight hundred Gambler. <laughs> Go ahead, dial it because, buddy, I'm I hate I hate, I don't want to be the one to break it to you. Bet responsibly, I'm guys. Dead. I'm um, dead. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably go with Cal. I think Cal can cover that spread. Okay. I like that. Washington State plus one, plus one and a half point underdogs to Oregon State. Once again, and Washington State's going to win. What? What? What, what is this? What is this? Oregon State, they, don't, they barely have a football team. <laughs> God. All right, guys, you heard it here first, man. Un- over under picks now. Brandon, Army Air Force over under 40 and a half. Under. Doesn't matter. I, you didn't even have to say the number. Under. <laughs> Western Kentucky, Florida Atlantic, 39 and a half. Over. That's a tough under over under man. That's just, that's it's low. Thirties. Yeah, thirty nine and a half. That's crazy. Florida Atlantic has fallen on <laughs> without Lane Kiffin apparently. Yeah. Um, we have Washington Cal Brandon forty two and a half. Over. Ooh. 
Over. Okay. Arkansas State, Louisiana Lafayette, 66 and a half. Oh, man, that was tough. Um, That's like right there in that weird range where it's like, man, if one team has a bad day, you're done. So the Goldilocks zone. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with under. I like it. I like it. Liberty, Virginia Tech, 67 and a half. Oh, over. I think Liberty's a favorite in this game, by the way. Yeah, Liberty. Uh, is Liberty undefeated? Yeah, Liberty's 25th in the country, 6 and 0, but Virginia Tech's a 14 and a half point favorite, huh? I don't know. That's not going to happen. Virginia Tech are frauds. What? I've already what? said that. No, hang on. What is the money line on this? You, the money line for Liberty to win is 450, Brandon. Are you taking that? It's my lock of the week. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and lock <laughs> this one in right now. Doesn't matter what the odds are on Saturday morning. I'm taking Liberty plus 450. That's my lock of the week. There you go. Lock of the week here. Brandon Michigan, Iowa 46 and a half. Michigan State, Iowa, sorry. Michigan State, Iowa, 46 and a half. It's the Children's Hospital. Iowa's going to show out. Yeah. I'm going with over. I like it. Duke, North Carolina, 64 and a half. It's a rivalry game under. I like it. Memphis, South Florida, 64 and a half. How is this not 80? Yeah, it's way over. All right. I, I call this segment the last one here today, Brandon's Heart Segment. Oh, no. It's where we get to Brandon's personal beliefs here. Oh, no. Southern Miss is a 17.5-point favorite this weekend, Brandon. Nope, they don't cover. They Why would they're they? Why would, they're playing North Alabama. I think they got that. Why would No, why would anything good ever happen to Southern Miss, Zach? No, they don't cover this. All right. Are you t- over under 53 and a, 53 and a half this game? Over under fifty three and a half, uh, probably over. All right, are you taking are you taking the money line for North Alabama as a, as an outright win, or are you going to stick it, with well, something? Tell me, tell me what it is. Good lord, uh, North Alabama plus six thirty. That's uh, that's very enticing, but no, Southern Miss is going to win this game. Southern Miss's money line for the for the record books is one thousand and fifty. <laughs> oh, okay, fair. Um, and then last one here, Brandon. We got the bye week. Minus 14-point <laughs> favorites over LSU. Who you take in? The bye week, dude. The bye week's undefeated. What are, what are we talking about? <laughs> but, I right, guys. That is a wrap on this episode, though, man. You can find episodes literally everywhere, man. We appreciate all y'all tuning in. Find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Overcast, literally anywhere you listen. So check them out there. Rate, like, review, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you listen. Um our website, thebluebuzzpod.com, filled with links, articles, all that good stuff. Social media, Instagram at the underscore bluebloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore bluebloods, and Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod. Check them out there. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube, guys. We are killing the YouTube game, so we appreciate all y'all listening on there. Um, we're trying to get to 100 followers, uh, subscribers on there, guys. And once we do, we have a big drop coming for that. So please subscribe there. Um, but yeah, guys, exciting weekend of college football. We will be back Monday with a recap. I'll be traveling due to a wedding this weekend. But listen, we're getting y'all an episode out. I don't care if I'm driving through Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kansas. It don't matter. Me and B-Dub are recording, bringing y'all an episode. But guys, we're excited for this weekend of college football. So we'll be back soon. But for right now, we out. <laughs>